Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for a radio audience tuning in here in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in to our online affiliates around the world, we're glad that you all could join us via podcast for this fairly important conversation today. I'm excited to welcome Aaron Sachs to our broadcast today. Aaron has written a book that I have really found fascinating for myself. For one, it's educational, but I was just saying to him, it definitely has some humorous moments in it, and it's about a topic that we've all heard about, and that is climate change. The book is called Stay Cool, Why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change. We'll talk to Aaron not only about the writing of the book, but also what it's been like for him to see the response, what it was like for him to research the book and to find some of the examples that he shares with us, and what he hopes you have to read in the book you're able to take away from it as well. Aaron, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, the pleasure is definitely all mine. So this is, is a book, again, it's around, a, 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 I think, an important topic, something that is definitely timely. But you say something I actually want to just read from uh, that I love in Chapter 1. The chapter is called Inferno, and you say this, the good news, the planet is going to be just fine. Then you go on to say it's just the human beings who seem to be going to hell. I, 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 lo- I love the, the, the tone <laughs> that, that you take with this book. What was it like for you, Aaron, to be able to write a book that is such – it is about a serious topic, but to approach it in a way that makes people laugh as well as think? Yeah, thanks. Uh, that was definitely part of the point. I think there's, there's almost nothing – worse than writing about comedy in a way that's completely serious. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to engage people with the idea that comedy is important and useful and has been in the past and could be now as we deal with climate change. Um, but, you know, probably my, uh, my most important goal in writing this particular book uh, was to make people feel better. You know, it's like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, I want to make them think, but but really so many people I know, and this I'm including myself, so many people I know who think about climate change just are in dire need of a morale boost because it's so overwhelming. You know, it's it's it, it really uh, creates a kind of despair uh, or even even a sense of trauma for a lot of people. Um, so we just, you know, like part of what we need to do is cheer up and, and uh, get some activation energy to deal with this. Yeah, I love that. And I also like the fact, too, that uh, a point that you make in the book, and you give it in examples that, I mean, that I did not know before, but definitely fit the topic. And that is something we've all heard, or most of us have heard, Aaron, growing up, and that is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And you give the example of Jimmy mm. Carter who may have been very well-meaning in what he had to say about ways that we can be able to help, you know, to, of course, you know, protect the planet and do our part, but it's all in the delivery. Talk to us about that and how you think that's been one way, especially people in, in, in public, when it comes to public figures, have kind of missed the mark in the messaging. Yeah, uh, I think Carter was actually a great environmentalist, um, and uh, he there there was this, famous speech he gave in uh, the summer of 1979, where his basic message was 
good one. He was he was asking people to carpool more and obey the speed limit and and you know basically um, do 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 things that that wound up uh, being things we would think of as uh, good for the fight against climate change. But he delivered the speech with what his opponent in uh, the 1980 presidential campaign, Ronald Reagan, started calling malaise. You know, if you just if you listen to Jimmy Carter, he just sounds like he's miserable all the time. Um, and that speech became known as the, the crisis of confidence speech. And um, that was that was meant to reflect, you know, the the. Um, the nation's crisis of confidence, but a lot of people took that phrase to mean like Jimmy Carter's own crisis of confidence because he seemed so depressed and uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, I think the, there's, there's that problem. Um, and there's also the problem of the sort of scolding environmentalists or the terrifying environmentalists. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like if you, if you scold, if you scold people, then, they have a tendency either to feel shame or anger that you're scolding them. Um, and if you terrify people, then they have a tendency to get terrified. <laughs> and those just aren't uh, good frames of mind for, uh, for getting things done. So, um, so yeah, I've been thinking environmentalists could, first of all, cheer themselves up uh, by using some comedy, but second of all, deliver their message in a more effective way. Before we go any further, and I, I apologize for not doing this earlier, but I just thought about something. I'm here in the South, and I want to make sure I'm actually pronouncing your first name the way that you normally pronounce it. Do you pronounce it Aaron or Aaron? Aaron, yeah. Um, Aaron, okay, okay. <laughs> Look, I didn't want to go through the whole 20 minutes and then at the end realize I've been saying your name wrong <laughs> the, 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 the entire the entire time. Hey, I I answer to anything, you know, like Key and Peel say A A Ron, and that's that's fine with me too. <laughs> Got you. Well, Aaron, it is. Well, look to that point though. That goes to the subtitle that I mentioned to you, Aaron. I wanted to be able to talk about, and that is why dark comedy matters in the fight against climate change. I mean, for our audience here in Mississippi, especially our older audience, that the term dark comedy may not necessarily resonate with them. Talk to us about exactly what dark comedy is and how it does play in well with this conversation we're having today. Sure. Yeah, thanks. That That is an important part of the book. And, um, you know, a, a, another way of saying dark comedy is just gallows humor. It's the kind of comedy that directly acknowledges that you're in a really horrible situation. Um, and so, it you know it's a it's a risky kind of comedy i think it's um it it's sort of uh underestimated sometimes because it is uh kind of risky it can it can almost seem fatalistic um but uh but it also has a really interesting history of sort of creating solidarity and boosting morale helping people gain purchase on all kinds of difficult situations even when they've been enslaved or imprisoned. Um, maybe one of the best and, and also most surprising examples is that there were, there were uh, you know, lots of jokes being passed around in concentration camps during World War II. Uh, people in concentration camps held cabarets and circuses and variety shows. Uh, one, one of the, one, one Holocaust survivor said, you know, we, we endured some of the worst 
horrors in human history, but we created theater. Um, yeah. And this, you know, it was straight up a survival mechanism, a coping strategy, a way to say like, okay, this is awful, um, but we're going to help each other get through it. So dark comedy is really about a kind of endurance and persistence. That's what it helps to, uh, to, to sort of cultivate. And, and that's something we need right now. Yeah. And, and that is such a great point. I mean, I'm known uh, in my friend circle, Aaron, as someone who uh, is the more um, serious and measured. That probably comes at no surprise as anyone who listens to this broadcast. However, <laughs> I am someone who appreciates humor, and even though I've never thought I've had a great sense of humor, um, I, I think one of the things I have definitely learned is that it, it helps you to discuss things in a way that maybe people would not necessarily listen to. And that brings us to the other point I wanted to mention in the book, and that is the role of young people in this conversation and in this work. Um, you mentioned, yeah. of course, young people, you know, the importance of them. I want to actually read something um, that you wrote in uh, Inferno 2. You say this, thankfully young people are still watching Stephen Colbert, who has been doing gallows humor bits about global warming for several years. If you can't stop climate change, lay back and enjoy it. Now, that is totally futile. Let's stop arguing about divisive issues like carbon taxes, alternative energy, or walking. Instead, we must come together and do what Americans have always done. We must burn hydrocarbons for pleasure. I want to be clear. I'm not saying we just fiddle while Rome burns. I say we throw the fiddle on the fire, too. I mean, that fiddle is good kindling, which we will need to keep the fire going as the foot riders rise. Yes, it's going to keep getting wetter. You know, I, I love this example, so I want to talk about that. What was it like for you to think about and to examine, uh, Aaron, the role of young people in this conversation? Yeah, well, I'm a history professor, so I encounter a lot of young people. And, um, you know, they've been getting pretty depressed uh, as um, well, I've, let's see, I've been teaching for about 19 years now, and um, even at the beginning of that time, college students were feeling pretty overwhelmed by climate change, and things, as you know, as, as all of your listeners know, things have gotten worse. Um, you know, there's, there's been very little political action, and meanwhile, you know, we're having 100-year floods every five years we're having a fire season that that isn't a season anymore because it just lasts all year long um and everybody everybody's noticing pretty much everybody agrees that it's happening now and uh and is worried about it um and uh you know the young people in our society need to have more of a sense of hope about the future um otherwise i mean it, it's sort of it's a basic human need, I think, but um, but I certainly, um, as somebody who uh, is trying to to sort of teach and and nurture uh, the new generation, is is really hoping that they're going to go on to do great things. And it's a lot harder to uh, to be active in our society if you're just constantly depressed. Um, so you know, um, I I have found that. Many of them are already kind of tapped into um, a, 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 a sort of cultural, a pop culture scene where um, where comedy works really well as a communication strategy, and um, and so it's it's been you know it's it's actually worked really well for for me to to bring this 
into my teaching uh, a more comedic perspective and that um, by doing that and, and seeing the response that kind of gave me uh, a lot of uh, positive feedback as I was working on this book and struggling with this book and um, you know and even having the book rejected multiple times by publishers who, who were saying like look it's too soon to joke about climate change um, so uh, so I'm grateful actually to my students and and to young people in general for uh, for showing me that this actually could be meaningful and helpful to them. It's so interesting uh, hearing you say that because I think we have movies like Don't Look Up um, that mm-hmm. I think would fall into this whole category of dark humor in many ways uh, in the conversation that we're having today, Aaron. And I think that those things are necessary. I even think about a movie like 2012 that was very mm-hmm. serious and had some very lighthearted moments in it. I think definitely helped the movie to move around, move along and to be memorable. Do you think that is one thing that also comes from this, is that we may need to, I mean, to think about the way we change our tone if we want to actually be able to change things, because it is about being able to reach people where they are, and, and humor can be one of the ways we do that. Yeah, um, you know, I think humor and co- comedy are really complicated, and they don't work the same way for everyone. Um, a movie like Don't Don't Look Up was, uh, you know, was really cathartic for some people who, you know, finally it took some took some pleasure in in um, seeing, uh, you know, a major work of popular culture uh, addressing this, and um, and that was great. But you know, other people didn't, did not find it very funny and right. um, or or useful. Um, there are always people who are going to say it's it's too soon, and you know this this has been true of all different kinds of humor. Um, there was this. Uh, I, I imagine some people will have encountered the the movie The Producers, which was then um, brought back on made into a Broadway show much later. But the The Producers was a film from the 1960s by Mel Brooks uh, that had a, a sort of a play within the movie, as it were that was called Springtime for Hitler. Um, so it was a very explicitly comedy about the Holocaust um, 20 years after the Holocaust. And some people found that to be too soon. You know, how, how can you make light of such, uh, you know, one of the most horrible events in human history? But, you know, at the same time, the movie was very popular and ha- has become a classic and has been revived on Broadway, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it works for some people. And I think, I think we need to take those risks, um, and I think it's totally worth it because some people are really, really energized by comedy and just, you know, find themselves uh, in a new frame of mind, uh, better able to cope with difficult realities. Such a great point. So what is your hope then, Aaron, when people finish Stay Cool, Why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change, when they finish the book, actually think about the examples. What do you hope it does for them in not only being a part of the conversation, but also want to see how they can be a part of the, the solution? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number one thing I hope is that they just feel a little bit cheered up, um, a little bit more hopeful, um, a little bit more connected to, to other people. You know, the, the, there's a great sense uh, with a lot of comedy and especially dark comedy that 
you know, you sort of get to the end of it and, and you feel like you're all in this, you're, you're all in it together. You're in the same boat. You're, you're fighting for the same thing. And uh, I'm really hoping that this book will help with that, given how divided our, uh, our culture is right now. Um, but then in terms of actually getting involved, you know, I think one of the best strategies that, um, that would-be environmentalists or climate activists can, can take on that's, that's different from what they've been doing in the past is just to have a, a sense of humor about themselves, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. poke fun at, at how, um, and how earnest and self-righteous they used to be. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's well documented that once you sort of, um, you know, point some comedy at yourself, make yourself the target, make yourself a little bit vulnerable, it's much easier to say difficult things, uh, to, to get hard messages across to people. Um, so that would probably be my number one suggestion. Uh, just, you know, like have a little bit of a, a sense of humor about yourself. Like, you know, yeah. say if you find yourself at a, at a climate march, say like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I know I drove here in, in a fossil fuel death machine, but hey, I'm here now, and uh, you know, and I want to help. Right, I think that's it. And and let me say, Aaron, congratulations to you on the years you've been able to spend and being able to, I mean, to share. I think that is a big thing here too, because the work you've been able to devote yourself to, and now to have a platform like a book like this to really get everyone else involved is really cool too. Again, everyone, Aaron Sachs has been our guest. Stay cool is the book. Why Dark Comedy Matters in the Fight Against Climate Change. It is available, of course, through our friends at Amazon.com. Uh, it also, I should mention, though, uh, it, it's published by NYU Press. Uh, Aaron, how can our audience stay connected with you? Um, well, first of all, thank you so much, Cyrus, for all those kind words. I really, really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to be on with you. And, uh, yeah, I'm easy to find. Just You can just uh, Google the Cornell University History Department, and I should pop right up. All right. Well, thanks again, and looking forward to our next conversation together. Thank you so much. More than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webster. As always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.